We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now, leave a message, and they will return your call. 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. Andyanddon, all one word, dot com. You can listen to old archive shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you. Hey, Good Scott. Morning, Scott. Good morning. Uh, we're going to Monte Carlo to start off. Absolutely. Oh, that sound nice. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> this is uh, something that we've talked about on the show before, the Monte Carlo analysis. Right. And it is a, um, it's a really important tool for financial planning. And, uh, and, and maybe to a lot of extent, I think uh, there's a lot of advisors that don't either use it or don't understand it or don't know how to present it. Is it a common thing it. that's used with a lot of financial planners or is it just something specifically to IG? You know, it... it I, it is available mm-hmm. uh, in the to the general f- financial planning um, uh, individuals, but they um, but we've been using it for like two decades now at yeah. least. Oh yeah, and, um, and and for that you know to answer your question, even though it might be available elsewhere, yeah. I I see it rarely used. This is true because yeah. I'll see po- people often use a straight line, and again, not to coin uh, you know competitors, but. Uh, you know, you're richer than you think in a lot of those programs, or even once you go on the internet, yeah. there often are simply a straight line, a straight rate of return. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And of course you're richer than you think when you use that. Yeah, okay. and that's, and that's and kind we'll of, get into that that's kind of exactly what we're going to talk about. And so the Monte Carlo analysis from a financial planner's perspective, so from Don and I's perspective, it really does improve our advice. And, and the, the goal of the Monte Carlo analysis is it's basically a probability simulator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really helps us understand the risk and the uncertainty uh, that would be involved in your financial plan. Mm-hmm. And it also helps us, uh, helps us because we can change the capital market assumptions. And what that means is that we can change the type of investments that you're using to show or demonstrate the probability or the outcome of your financial plan if you were taking on investments that had less risk mm-hmm. or maybe taking on investments that had more risk, as an example. It's a so projection. It's like a, like a projection. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more about probabilities. And we often find that um, projections, as Don was saying, tend to be those straight line assumptions. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to get 7% a year. Oh, it all works out perfectly fine. Yeah. But uh, we know that it's never 7% per year, right. uh, it, yeah. it, it, it fluctuates, exactly. Yeah. And so what we do is the, the process involves, from our advice standpoint, it's it, you do sort of random sampling of different investment situations and then measuring the success or the failure of someone's financial plan. And that helps you estimate that probability of success. Mm-hmm. How What's the likelihood that you're going to achieve your financial goals, right. short-term or long-term? And so what is the Monte Carlo analysis? It, it basically is defining a model. That's in the process that we would go through with any financial plan is you create a model. Mm-hmm. And that model is, um, you know, is based on your goals and objectives. And then what we do is we sequentially change the values and the variables in the model. And then we can observe the impact right. that that has on your results. And so by, <clears throat> by you know, repeating that many, many times, you can get a sense of the range of possibilities or outcomes. Mm -hmm. So what would be a worst case scenario? What would be the best case scenario? And what might be an average scenario that we can look at? And that helps us understand, you know, to analyze how stable your plan is. 
And at the end of the day, it's we've talked about this before, it's about stress testing yeah. your financial plan. In various scenarios. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, when you think about a financial plan, the basics of every financial plan that we do, the assumptions that go into it is what's your income going to be? Mm-hmm. What are your expenses going to be? What's the rate of return you're going to get on your investments? And then your lifespan, how long are you going to live? Mm-hmm. And and that's all based on different goals. So, um, you know, a goal might be, obviously the first thing would be to make sure that your expenses are covered for the life of your plan. Yeah. In other words, you don't run out of money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and really how stable is the plan, mm-hmm. right? How, and and that, that brings confidence and that brings clarity over the process as well. So as an example, if your financial plan, if you had a major expense that you were looking at five years down the road, and you're trying to, um, you've got some assets that you're using to save towards that goal. And they are invested in something like, say, an index fund, mm-hmm. which would track the performance of the markets up and down over mm-hmm. time. And so based on an average, it looks like your plan's okay, Yeah. right? If you look at any sort of five-year average, might work out. But what happens if there's a large downturn? just prior to that, needing that right. expense happening, and does that leave a shortfall for you? And so what Monte Carlo does is it identifies where those situations are, and it provides you an estimate of the success in terms of meeting that goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <clears throat> so it can also be used for analyzing market risk, and it can also be used for estimating longevity risk by randomizing your expected lifespan. So we've often talked about some of the risks in retirement. One of them is living too long or living longer than you would expect it. And uh, so we can take a look at that and say, oh, well, based on if you lived another five years, what's the probability of your plan being successful? And it's you, and it would be the, the number, the outcome would be given to you in terms of a percentage of success, successful outcomes. Right. And, um, so I think Monte Carlo, what it does for the client and what it does for us is it provides a clearer view into your financial future. And, uh, and again, when we think about that, that five-year goal we were talking about, do you, are you using moderate investments or are you using conservative investments or are you using aggressive investments in terms of saving towards that goal? And then how large is the risk associated with each of those types of investments towards that goal? And, uh, and what is the impact going to be by the time you actually need the money? So let's, let's take an example. So let's say in the next nine years, uh, your goal was you need $30,000 and maybe it's for a car, maybe Mm -hmm. it's for towards an education or something like that. And so you're, you've got $17,000 already and you're thinking, you know what, if I could invest that at 7% for the next nine years, perfect. I end up with 30 grand. I'm all set. My goal is covered. Yeah. Right. No issues at all. But what Don and I would do is we would apply what we call the standard deviation associated with that investment. And in this case, typical in a 7% rate of return, the standard deviation, the volatility mm-hmm. of that investment would be a number we'd call it 17%. Right. And that's a measurement of standard deviation or volatility. And when we apply that to your nine year goal, that 17 grand basically has a, and if you ran, we ran about uh, 250 different trials and the results were that only 52% of the time did you end up with 30 grand. Mm. So we've gone from 
the basic, as Don sort of started out, we talk about the straight line projections right. and our other financial planners really providing you um, a good assessment of where you're at with your goal. Mm -hmm. So in this case, the goal of, of 30 grand in nine years, 17 grand at 7% from a straight line perspective, no problem at all. Mm -hmm. But by the time you apply standard deviation and the Monte Carlo analysis, it's basically a flip of a coin, right. whether you're going to have that yeah. money or not. And uh, so that's, I think that's important because that might change your thought process or it might be a situation where for the next five years, you might use that type of aggressive investment, but maybe the last four years, mm -hmm. you convert to something more um, with less risk or right. less volatility. And so, you know, it turns out that you might not get to 30 grand or you might have to put a little bit more in, right. or you might be perfectly happy to let the 17 grand run mm -hmm. and take the flip of a coin, right? right? right. Yeah. depending on that goal. Mm -hmm. So what are the benefits of, of looking at Monte Carlo analysis and asking your financial planner about Monte Carlo analysis with respect to your own plan. And that really is to, to uncover those potential risks. What are, what's out there? If I've got, if I have goals and, and really you want to break it down into the different goals that you have and, um, uh, and, and really what is the probability of success then mm -hmm. for each of those goals? And it also helps you understand the merits or the quantitatively with real numbers how, what our recommendations are versus your current plan. Right. And that's often the case when we're speaking with new clients is they say, well, I have a financial plan, here it is. And when we analyze it, we can say, you know what, here's where you are right now going forward. And here's where you would be based on our recommendations going forward. Mm -hmm. And then we can attach our number, a quantitative number to what that would actually mean yeah. in terms of being more confident or more with more clarity about your own financial situation. Um, it helps you, it helps identify, are you susceptible to any negative events? Mm -hmm. So I know this week, for example, people were talking about, or are talking about the coronavirus. Yeah. And as a result, certain segments of the stock market have gone down. Yeah. So how much time do I have to recover from something like that based on where my goal is? And this is something again, that, that, uh, that the Monte Carlo analysis would provide. So it's sort of a calming effect, I think, in terms of those market downturns mm -hmm. and you know re, you know if in those down year the, the truth is, is that the down years end up being part of your plan yeah in other words as we discussed the Monte Carlo analysis in your own situation it really tells us that there's going to be down years and it also tells us you know you have sufficient time left for your goal to be able to achieve it mm -hmm. and uh, and based on hundreds of different trials we know and we've planned for this along the way and so I think it really offers a comprehensive look at the future in terms of your goals from a different perspective. And, uh, and again, it's all coming back to building confidence and clarity so that you can move forward, spend your money with confidence and not always be worrying, geez, can we afford to do this? Yeah. Right. And I think that's, that's an important part of, of anyone's retirement plan. So, um, if I were to think about the, the sort of three takeaways of this, I think that the, um, the main thing about Monte Carlo analysis is it gives you a better look at your goals and it identifies those goals, goals that are overfunded and also those goals that are underfunded. Mm -hmm. And overfunding is something that uh, is common, particularly with respect to the, the retirement goal. Yeah. And, you know, the conversations, and I just had one in the last couple of weeks where I was asking a client in her, in her 80s, you know, if you knew you were going to have this much money, 
Hmm. Would you have done something differently or anything differently in the past? And uh, travel and other things, yeah. decisions that were put off for that fear of running out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and the problem is, is that as, as often as we might revisit the goal and say, you know, you're going to be okay, you can spend the money, it takes time for that to sink in yeah. and become more and more confident about it. And typically as people go through downturns and are able to come back out the other end and realize, you know what, two and, things. And see that, yeah. Uh, we're still on track. Yeah. Uh, we survived it. And, uh, you know, the plan is working. Mm-hmm. And so the more you see that, and it's not, so it's difficult with a client who's just started with us. Yeah. They may not have that. first downturn. <laughs> yeah, your first downturn. <laughs> it's always Murphy's Law. Yeah. The first time you bring on a client, you end up with uh, with with a, a downturn right away. Yeah. It's the a second, test, really. That's right. The yeah, second, make sure they get through that test. That's right. <laughs> the, second, the second takeaway is really about the fact that we're utilizing technology to provide more accurate results. Mm-hmm. The program that we use is NavaPlan, and we've been uh, partnered with NavaPlan for the last 25, 30 years, and it really is about robust Monte Carlo calculations. And the third takeaway, it provides more value to our clients. Basically, it's a more thorough analysis of the potential risks, and it really statistically defends our recommendations on the planning process. Yeah. Mm, good point. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. We're going to take a quick break here. You can leave a message at 905-529-7165. We'll be right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and take a peek at their website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. The pitfalls of early retirement. Oh, boy. Going I'm... too soon. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's kind of interesting? I know everybody's talked about maybe that Freedom 55 from many, many years back. Kind of goes a great That's catch right. phase. I, I, I passed that. It's too bad. You yeah, know, yeah. Oh, it's funny, we're all past that a little I bit know. here now. Um, but you know what? I last This past week, a um, great article about an announcement, rather, of Indiana's oldest state employee. His name's Bob Ballmer. And he is, and get this, 102 years old. Still on the payroll. He, until February. <laughs> he just announced his retirement. Um, Finally next, decided. Next month. So I actually, um, you know, so I clicked on it and watched a little video of this gentleman. He needed a Monte Carlo analysis early on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much longer you're going to have to worry about that projection. That's right. Hopefully a long time. But watching this guy, he still was still driving. He was still carrying equipment. He was doing um, surveying. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, this guy's 102. And they had a, when he was 98, they did a segment on him. They did another one when he turned 100, and he's now 102. And I thought, well. And he's still there. He's there until next month. Oh. He's now retiring. And his, his great-grandson, great-grandson, asked him the other day, he said, hey, Grandpa. I said, did you know Adam and Eve? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm not that old, but that'll, anyway. That'll get you out of the way. But it turned to me, I thought, well, you know, there's obviously there's advantages perhaps of retiring early, um, perhaps uh, lifestyle changes, et cetera. But there's also a lot of um, pitfalls if retiring early. And one of the greatest ones, and we've talked about this many times over the years, is inflation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say you did retire at 55 and you had a 30000 per year income. 
and it was not indexed, okay, like uh, most pensions are other than government pensions, or your investments were paying you 30000 a year and you're just living off that income. Well, if you just, just kept it at 30000 by the time you hit age 80, with 2% inflation, we're not talking a lot of inflation. Mm-hmm. So that's why I always say, you, everybody says, well, 2% so low. Well, by the time you're 80, you're, that 30,000 year income is worth only 14,000 a year in today's dollars. Yikes. 25 years, yeah, yeah. Halved. So by postponing it to 65, that 30,000 a year by the time you're 80 is now worth 19,255. Mm-hmm. So about 20,000 a year, call it for round figures. And if you did delay it all the way to 70, that 30,000 year income at age 80 is now worth 22,000 a year. So it's amazing how much it can erode over time. And people say, well, that's at age 80. What will I be doing then? Well, you still have to eat. You still have to pay rent. And chances are you may actually have to pay a greater amount of property taxes, rent, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, Perhaps medical expenses are higher. So trust me, if you can't live on 14,000 a year now, Mm -hmm. you won't you won't be able to do it then. Yeah. Okay, 30,000, it's just the erosion. So you do have to take into account, and Andy talked about the Monte Carlo analysis, we always take into account inflation in all our, 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 our PFPs or personal financial yeah. plans. Mm-hmm. Um, the company currently is paying for your health insurance. Well, yeah. you know, well, not a big deal, right? Well, wait till you have to start paying for yourself. Mm-hmm. It works out to, you know, just a kind of a basic plan is about $300 a month. Mm-hmm. So if you are retiring at 55 and you say, I want coverage till 65 because my drugs will be covered then. Well. So you have to bridge that gap. You got to bridge senior, that gap. Right. Yeah, that's th- that's 300 a month. That's uh, 3,600 a year. Over 10 years without, you know, the chance of investing it or inflation is $36,000. Mm-hmm. Now you got to think, okay, I got to have money for that. Or I'll take the chance. Mm-hmm. So one or the other. Yeah. But the reason, you know, insurance is there because there's a likelihood of it happening, mm-hmm. okay? Um, number three, and I find this one's really interesting, is basically you're gonna spend too much money too soon. Mm. Every day's a weekend. Yeah. Okay, what are we doing today? I don't know, maybe I'll go yacht shopping or yeah. something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I got stuff, I got time to kill. I'm the not boat show's sit. on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna oh, do man. stuff. And so you got no yeah. time, and what does that mean? You got time to spend money. Yeah. And, and, and really, if you weren't a good budgeter before, the likelihood is if you retire early, you might have been a very good at budgeting. But you definitely need a financial planner because there's more to a budget than simply the cost you see. There's often the cost you don't see or the questions you don't even know to ask. Mm-hmm. Okay, and a financial planner will answer those questions or bring things up. Mm. Um, number four, taking your Canada pension plan too early. Okay, and I know we've talked about this for many times over the years. However, if right now at 65, the maximum you could get is Mm $1,175.83. Okay, so round figures call $1,200 a month. If you did say, you know what? I'm retired at 60. I want to start getting that Canada pension plan. Well, you're going to take a $423 per month haircut, Mm. 36% of that that amount. So now instead of getting $1,200 a month, you're going to get $750 a month. Okay, and... Okay, well, seven fifty a month, and, and again, the argument I always hear is, well, you might as well spend it. You never know how long you're going to live. Mm-hmm. Well, it works out that the break-even, so if you took that money, that $750 a month, and said, okay, over the next five years, that would accumulate to about $45,000, mm-hmm. okay? Now, you have to pay tax on this money, so you don't actually get that much in your pocket, but in just gross figures, it's 45000 a year. Well, how long does it take that extra $423 a month 
to catch up to that 45,000. Well, it takes 106 months, which works out to 8.9 years. So even if you said nine years, so the break even is 74 years old. So I don't know about you, but I, I see a lot of 70 people over 74 years old. I'm hoping. Yeah. <laughs> so if somebody died, put it this way, if somebody dies at 74, say, oh boy, he really died young. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually to the point now with 84 is certainly in mid eighties. Okay. Well, he still has some gas in the tank at 84. Mm -hmm. So 74 is considered very young. But yet, so many people are still trying to tell me, actually, or justify that, oh, it made sense to take it at age 60. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to tell everybody out there right now, get a calculator and work this out. Yeah. Okay? Because, in fact, it wasn't long ago, I just spoke to somebody, and it was their brother that suggested that uh, they should take it at 60. And I said, I hope he wasn't a math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out he was. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really? and, and if you just actually did the math, it just doesn't make sense. So, so also the other side of it is, by the way, even though the maximum you can get right now is about, is $1,175.83, the average is, the average person receiving Canada Pension Plan right now is only $672.87. Really? So more do. So a lot of people take it in get it early yeah. and a lot of people didn't contribute the max. Right. There's a lot of self-employed people that didn't contribute the right, max, right. or a lot of people uh, say they raised kids, mm -hmm. and then they went back to the work workforce. Right. Um, so the average is far less than that, which is even more reason why I certainly need a greater kind of pension plan than 672. So by working longer, you're actually adding more contributions to that CPP pile. Yeah. And so not only are you getting that, that increase every year just by simply delaying it, but you're also contributing more so you'll be greater anyway, mm -hmm. okay? Because they work out this formula, form, formula and it has so many dropout years and, and it's fairly complicated. But at the end of the day, yeah, if you haven't maxed out at say 60, then by adding working further into it, you're going to get a, a greater max, right. okay? So then we get into number five. And... Uh, Again, they kind of went back to the whole idea of having too much time and too little money. And it's funny, when you look at this pile of money, it says, okay, well, that's a fair bit of, fair bit of cash. And yet, at the end of the day, 500000 is an example. Let's say how much money is really 500000 So I kind of worked out a calculation. Let's say you, uh, you needed well, $4,000 a month to live on, and you're sitting there with $500,000. Okay, well, what would that do for you if you say, okay, I'm going to take you know four four thousand dollars a month out of my investments, out of my RSPs, well, it turns out you really need five thousand a month mm -hmm. out of that. Okay, so by drawing five thousand a month out of that pie, uh, out of that pile of money rather, and if you're making five percent, well, by taking out five thousand dollars, that five hundred thousand in five years will be down to three hundred thousand, yeah. just because you've got lots of time and you still need to take up 5,000 a month out of this mm -hmm. because that's almost like a wage replacement. If you're making 60,000 a year, well, that's 5,000 5, a month, okay? So the other option, let's say you decided, okay, I wanna work another five years and I'm making $80,000 a year. Well, that nets um, 5,000 a month net after tax well, that means you could actually save that $1,000 a month because now you got this extra five years to work with. Right. So if you save that extra five years, you end up with $60,000 invested. Again, I'm only using 5%. You'd end up with $68,000 saved over that five years. Well, add that to your pile of your 500,000. 
Well, that pile of 500,000 is also growing. Yeah. And it's growing to 710,000. So now you add the 68,000. So you now you're up to uh, $778,000 is your pile to start with at 65. That's a lot better pile than the 500,000. Yeah. I don't have to tell you that. Well, how long will that last if you start drawing 5,000 a month out? Turns out it will last for 18 years. Mm. Okay, so you, you'll run out of money at age 83 um, rather than running out of money at age 71 yeah. by taking out the same amount starting at age 60. So it lasts uh, you know, far greater. And I, I just kind of worked out, what if you said, okay, I live, I'm going to live to 95. Um, and if, uh, uh, unfortunately for that um, Bob Vollmer who lived in 90, uh, 102, this wouldn't last for him. But if you did say, okay, I wonder how, how much money would I be able to take out of my pile if I want to live to 95? And there's no inflation involved in this at all. I did straight line, which not e is not even accurate. You actually need more money. But at least you could say, okay, I can take out 3,800 a month out of this and it would last to 95. But if you said, I'm going to retire at 60, you, you could only take out 2,500 a month. Mm -hmm. So your lifestyle literally would drop in half yeah. at age 60 versus about a 20 percent drop in lifestyle if you waited to 65. So massive difference in terms of how long your money could last. So those are the kind of the money issues. Then there's a whole lot of other issues. And one is uh, the social issues. Okay, you get out of bed and you got people to see. You got, um, you know, you've got friends, you got, you're, you're always learning. Mm -hmm. um, the brain's going and, and you got to keep up and um, trust me, in our industry, there's so many things, whether it's a new software program. We're actually integrating ourselves right now to a whole new platform. Or we got to almost unlearn stuff to mm -hmm. kind of go forward. And I'm sure a lot of the, you know, you people, the listeners out there are in the same boat. You got to learn more. Um, there's a lack of fulfillment that people have by not working. Mm -hmm. They get up and say, now what? Yeah. Okay, well, and, you know, the TV isn't exactly, or the internet that can do things. People like mm -hmm. to golf and, and, and do a lot of their hobbies. Mm -hmm. But even that, okay, one thing, it's, it's pretty exciting to go golfing. Okay, I'll go two or three times. Uh, a good week would be three, but let's say I go once or twice a week. That's, uh, you know, it's a treat. Yeah. But if it's say, okay, I'm going to golf every day, I honestly, I would drive me nuts. Yeah. All of a sudden, golf is way too it's important. It's the norm, yeah. Yeah, it would drive me nuts. It's it, not a novelty anymore. It's not yeah. fun. It's, yeah. yeah. Now your whole life is, oh boy, I'm just thinking about that golf game. Yeah. Right now, if I have a bad game, it's not that upsetting. I've got other things to do. So it also is part of your identity. Mm -hmm. So people think, so well, I'm a financial planner, I'm a plumber, I'm an electrician, I'm a nurse, whatever, a teacher. That's part of your identity. And also that you lose that identity. And this can also lead to depression. Yeah. Um, and generally speaking, people go through that stage. So it's, it's not all, it's almost like you wish you could have a trial. To a trial retirement. I'm ready for that. Yeah. Let me, Just a month. Yeah. Let me give a month or two. <laughs> then I'll circle back around. Yeah. And, and there <laughs> Good is... Good for another 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some of those that actually did that where you can actually have a... Um, Sabbatical. Sympathetic, yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. And you just take a slightly less pay mm -hmm. and then you get a year off. Yeah. Well, that's... You know, I actually, I find people love those. Yeah. Okay. And there's only certain jobs that allow it. Uh, but in most cases... It's very difficult to change your mind if you don't like it. Mm. So you try retirement for about three or four months and say, whew, wish I didn't do that. Yeah, never mind. You know what? I go back to my job. Uh, sorry, your job's taken by somebody that's getting paid half as much. Yeah. And, uh, and younger. And younger. So it's, it's not like you can try, do a trial very often. So anyway, that's another pitfall. You can't change your mind in most cases. Mm -hmm. 
So there's a, almost a new slogan these days, and Bob Vollmer would be a great agreement of this, is Freedom 85. And people, and again, I'm stretching that perhaps a little bit, but a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> are people are saying, okay, well, what if we li- we actually worked a little longer? That's 65, like who made that up in the first place? Yeah. Well, the fact is you only lived to 68 mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. So work was in a, you know, is near the end of your life. Mm-hmm. And as Bob Vollmer actually said, I don't want to go from working to rocking. Yeah, yeah. Going from the wa- rocking chair, basically. He wants to keep being active. Well, there's... The life expectancy, they've actually done studies and they did a study of 83,000 adults over 15 years and they showed that working past 65, there was a 9 to 11% lower risk of dying. Mm. (laughs) Just pure dying. Like the chance of death is increased just by retiring. Too much fun will kill you. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and there's something about that. um, Perhaps there's more time to... Yeah. engage in other activities that you're not shouldn't probably be working <laughs> risky behavior <laughs> exactly <laughs> um there's also um three times likelihood that you'll be in great health yeah. if you keep working and 50 percent less chance of cancer and heart disease because mm. <coughs> you're busy because you're busy so that's on the good side if you had a job that's you enjoy doing that being said if you have a stressful job yeah. different story altogether yeah You've now increased the rate of heart disease and stroke and a lot of other things. So I guess the whole point is Freedom 85 could just simply mean, why don't you get your financial independence, have a great financial plan, go over all the different things that Andy just mentioned with the Monte Carlo analysis and and kind of the budget and where you are now. Have this stretch out right to 95, if not longer, if you're Bob Vollmer, Mm. and then say, okay, if I don't want this job, Maybe there's another job that's perfect for me. And that may be your financial plan. What does Bob do after 102? I don't What's know. his retirement look yeah. like? That was a great question. And he, and he said he just won't be rocking. That's uh, all. Okay. He'll be a hot commodity at the retirement home. <laughs> <laughs> he can still drive, so. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, we are planning your financial future. I could just go with that, but we'll stop there. Uh, we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 and take a peek at the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Updating your will. Yeah, this time of year, everybody's thinking about uh, going away on vacations and Mm -hmm. it's always a source of entertainment talking to and the stories that lawyers will share about everybody who has to update their will prior to going away on a trip, right? Booking an appointment. Yeah, that's right. 80%. 80% (laughs) people get their wills done before a vacation. Is that the number? That is, So, But but the irony of it, though, is that- If the plane goes down. Yeah. (laughs) How many lawyer, and and so the typical scenario is that somebody will call up and say, you know what, we've got to get our will updated. Oh, why, what's going on? Well, we're going away on a trip. And so they'll book the appointment to come in. And most, a lot of times, wills aren't straightforward, Mm -hmm. right? And so the lawyer will you know, draft up and there'll be some questions and some other things that need to be discussed. And guess what happens? They never come back to sign the thing. They go on their vacation and then he never hears from them again. So everything was fine. As it turned out, they were okay. They didn't need to update their will perhaps. But, um, you know, one of the things, and that typically then with most, like 
a lot of times with financial plans too, is that people do it once and then they forget about and it. And what if it's not signed? If it's not signed, then it's not valid. It's, it I mean, the, origi- yeah. the original will, whatever the they one. had before, the old one is still valid. If they had an old one. If they had an old one, exactly. Right, right. Yeah. So I think that that's the thing. Most times people will write it, write a will, they'll sign a will, they'll file it, and then they forget about it. Mm-hmm. But there are times when it makes sense to revisit that. And certainly, you know, life changes along the way. I rough, you know, Certainly there's no reason why you can't pull it out every couple of years and just review with your spouse or just review yourself. Who are the people that are power of attorney, or sorry, who are the people that are your executors? Who are the people that are the beneficiaries? How have you structured things? Does it all still make sense? Yeah. And um, But there's other four other times I just want to highlight when it makes sense to review that most critical document and the number one would be if it's a newborn. So in the early yeah. stages of a relationship or a point where you first have a child, you've got to make sure because the will designates who the guardian's going to be. Mm-hmm. And without that will, now you've got family left hanging as to who is actually supposed to look after any children that were left orphaned. And uh, so they need to know and they need to be prepared to take physical custody of your children as well as the assets and how you're going to structure those assets for those for your children, your dependent children. And uh, so this is basically up until they're 18 in theory or perhaps finished university that might or school, that right. might be another um, milestone where at that point you still would want a guardian or a trustee to look after their affairs. So if you're having a children, a child or a newborn, go back and look at it. And it's also true that sometimes a will might not include all children. You may have named previous children. And so in which case it'd be important to add an additional child to the will to make sure right. that that's specified. Um, the next area would be uh, getting married or getting married again. So, um, you know, it, and this is particularly true, if one or both of you already have children, then you definitely, that definitely triggers a will update. And it's a complicated revision when you're talking about blended families, and we've had conversations about this before. And, um, and so I think the main thing is you just want to make sure that your children aren't disinherited yeah. as a result of this. And of course, you don't want the child's inheritance to be up to the discretion of the new step-parent either. Mm. That's just going to create a bad dynamic as well. So the will needs to really carefully state which children get what, what happens if that surviving spouse remarries, and it's important to make sure that the the children from the previous relationship, as I say, aren't disinherited when you have a new spouse. So a trust might be involved as well. So an important time to revisit, getting married, and particularly if you're getting married again. Okay. Uh, the third one would be caring for the disabled. And now this might be obviously from a special needs beneficiary in the family, if it was a child born with health issues, or, uh, and that one might be more obvious and somebody would, I think, take steps right away if they had a child with special needs to make sure that their will and their estate is going to, to address those concerns and be able to look after them going forward. But more importantly, sometimes people later on in life find themselves with uh, disabilities. Mm -hmm. And it could be, um, you know, mental health is a big concern for a lot of people. It could be depression. It could be um, Alzheimer's or dementia now where somebody doesn't have capacity anymore. Or you're just concerned about somebody's capacity um, to be able to manage money. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, revisiting the will as life changes and as you identify those situations, it's important to make sure your estate is going to fulfill or help fulfill their needs Mm -hmm. for a dependent going forward. And um, the next one would be common law. 
uh, and divorce. So a lot of people live in common law and it's, so it's not that uncommon. <laughs> and, uh, and I think drawing up a will is really important to make sure that your surviving spouse is looked after. And I think there's, you know, some people think, well, common law is really not, they're not really committed. If somebody dies, well, they're not, you know, the other person is on their own, but that's not true. A lot of common law relationships, they're long-term loving relationships and it's not about um, a short-term thing. It it was really, and so it's important that your will, because in Ontario, and we're not lawyers, but in Ontario, the general rules are that your your spouse in a common law relationship is not going to have the same rights as a married spouse. So your will is the only way to make sure that that person's going to get access to funds and how that's going to be played out. And on the flip side, if you're dealing with a separation or divorce, that necessitates a will change too. And in particular, paying attention to beneficiary designations that you've made in your will. And also on things like pensions, RSPs, RIFs, TFSAs, insurance benefits, et cetera, you don't want those dollars going to an X. So at the end of the day, revising your will, sometimes it's easier said than done. Enlist your lawyer, talk to us for some ideas as well, but uh, don't just set it and forget it. Mm. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth uh, Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Cash is trash? I thought cash was king. Well, In your I mattress? Was, <laughs> for that, yeah, no kidding. For that few times, cash is king. And, and it certainly gets, those people that happen to time things perfectly, mm-hmm. it's king. Mm-hmm. But I would suggest that that's a rarity. To the most people that have money sitting in cash, it literally is earning a very low return. If you got a great return right now, you'd be earning, say, in, if it was in cash, it'd be about 2%. Mm-hmm. That'd yeah. be, you'd be happy with that. Yeah. And it's taxable if it's in your non-registered investments. Right. So you're losing up to half of that. And then, of course, inflation is running around 2%. So you're not making any money. In fact, you're going backwards every year. So every year you don't spend that cash. It's actually, you might as well spend it because yeah. you can't buy the same value. thing. Yeah, you can't buy the same thing the next year. So you're not gaining at all. And it's so funny, every year, and it's early part of the year right now, there's always seems to be reasons to sell your investments. And I've heard them all the way through. So I got this chart going back to 19, sorry, uh, 2009. And it said reasons to sell. And it was kind of interesting because that was kind of where the it started to go back up. March, oh, March 9th, 09, the market started to rise. Yeah. Okay. But nobody really believed it at that time because... Um, 663 jobs lost in March. Um, it was one of the highest ever. 600,000, 663,000? 1,000, yeah. 663,000 right. jobs lost. This is in the US, mm-hmm. okay? Um, Chrysler and, and General Motors filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. Who the heck wants to have any money invested in, in investments mm-hmm. at that time, the stock market? Um, there was a another flash crash, if you will, back uh, in about t- in 2010. Market just went down significantly in a day or two, but it kind of popped its way back up. Had the most powerful earthquake ever. Um, this S&P, Standard Poor's, downgraded the U.S. debt. So it was no longer AAA. It was mm-hmm. it was less than that. 
And funny enough, in the in 2012, the Dow only had five positive days in one month. It was the first time since 1968. He mm. said, wow, this is terrible. Five days out of 30 days or 31 days. Um, insane. So why would you want to you have your money invested in that? Uh, gold kind of went up at that time at uh, $1,923. People were buying gold like crazy. Yeah. And this is in uh, 2011. By the way, gold is about $1,500 now. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe a little bit more. There was a financial cliff that there was so much debt and they weren't going to give uh, the government the money to pay their bills. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that was the next talk. And then uh, not too much after that, a U.S. shutdown. Um, and it's so many things. There was an Ebola virus and there was contagion fears at that time. Mm-hmm. And of course, the market went down. We just had that experience this past week. Mm-hmm. Okay, with this new virus that's going along. Hopefully, they'll nip that one in the butt. Um, NASDAQ falls 4% from its season highs in just one day. The Dow Jones fell 1,175 points in 2017. And actually, in 2018, this time last year, we were actually talking about the the U.S. stock market hit a bear market. Mm -hmm. It dropped 19.8% in the month of December, basically. But during the day, it actually got over 20%. It kind of recovered a bit. So intraday, it was actually over 20%. And we just talked uh, not long ago, the yield curve was inverted, meaning long-term rates were, uh, sh- were less than short-term rates. And that is, that's a, uh, it means the market will start dropping. Yeah. You should get out. Um, all these different reasons. And so this is just kind of a, a 10-year um, random, and I've just taken some of the highlights of why you should not invest. Now, that being said, there's also lots of reasons to invest over that same time. So depending if you're a pessimist or an optimist, mm-hmm. um, buying stocks is a good is potentially a good deal, Barack Obama said in March 2009. Turned out he was pretty good timing on his announcement. Uh, Warren Buffett says the demand is coming back. Um, Steve Jobs unveiled a new iPad in 2010. And then uh, all sorts of little fun things. The Facebook had its first uh, public offering. And stocks made its all-time high for the first time since 07, and that was in, in June 2012. So it took five years to kind of fully recover from the highs of 07 to get back. Right. But again, um, if you're still adding money at, to your investments all that time, you're buying cheaper stocks. Mm-hmm. In terms, the best year for stocks since 1997 was in 2013. By the way, when was the next best time? Since 2013. Yes, Andy. Uh, 2019? 2019. Yay. It was the best time since 2013. You know everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then they had the Dow Jones hit the, hit the 20K mark in uh, just about 2017. Yeah. Now, interesting, and then there's been other things. Uh, just recently, 100 straight months of job gains, longest streak ever in the U.S. And uh, the U.S. cancer death rate drops by the largest amount ever. So this is still all the things that happened in that 10 years. So what's really happened? How is your money done? If you didn't know any of this backdrop, if you simply said, okay, here's my money and I'm really not going to pay attention for 10 years. Well, the Dow Jones in, in the beginning of 2009 was 8,885. Mm-hmm. And by the time Barack Obama left office, it was at 21,750. During his, that, that eight-year span, it averaged 11.84% a year mm-hmm. during those almost eight years. Almost 12%. Uh, almost 12%. By the way, I know Trump says the markets are the best ever and he's done an amazing job. 
Well, since he's taken over, it's averaged 9.94%. Mm-hmm. It's gone from 21,750 to 28,903. Again, let's even call it even. Um, at the end of the day, yes, they're both doing very well. I'd take 10%, 11%, doesn't matter. All I know, it's a heck of a lot better than 2% cash. Yeah. So if you are going to try to guess the market, I'll generally speaking, I think you're going to be wrong. And why would you want to take the chance? We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll see you next Thanks, week. Thanks, Scott. See you next week.